Thanks for tuning in to Too Much Screen Time, a podcast for TV buffs and cinephiles who have no problem spending too much time on their screens. If you're looking for some in-depth conversation about the latest TV and movies, you've come to the right place. I'm joined by my co-hosts Alex, Shantae, and Dave. I'm Anselm. Let's dive in. Candyman. 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 I'm going to stop right there. (laughs) Because as we know from this movie, uh, Black people do not be summoning stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Too Much Screen Time. As you can tell, we're going to be talking about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory because, uh, you know, he's a candy man and that's what that song was written for, you know, the first one, like, who could take the rainbow? So, yeah. So, guys, what do you think of uh, Timothy Chalamet's uh, role in Willy Wonka and the, and the Chocolate Factory? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Um, I thought it was a little weird, um, but just kidding, y'all. We're talking about Candyman. Uh, Candyman came out in August of 2021 this year. It's directed by Nia DaCosta and is written by DaCosta, uh, Jordan Peele, and Wynn Rosenfeld. It's also produced by Jordan Peele. Uh, this film is a re not a remake, it's a re it's a sequel, if you will, to the 1992 film Candyman, which was directed by Bernard Rose. Another really cool fact about this film, which I think is super groundbreaking and, and amazing, is that this is the first film directed by a Black woman to lead the box office. It grossed about $22 million in its opening weekend. And yeah, like Nita Costa, that's that's an amazing, amazing feat for someone who's only 31 years old. We love to hear it. Before we get into it, I just want to give a little bit of a summary of the film. We follow Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, who plays Anthony McCoy, an artist. He and his girlfriend, Brianna, have just moved into a brand new apartment in an area that has recently been gentrified within Chicago. Uh, Anthony is struggling for artistic inspiration, and he finds inspiration in in the legend of a man who was brutally killed by police in that area many years ago. This man had a hook for a hand. He was known for passing out candy to children. And he has collectively been known by the people uh, in this neighborhood as the Candyman. And so after, upon gaining inspiration from this legend, which includes the story of how if you say Candyman's name five times in a mirror, he will appear and potentially kill you. <laughs> um, Anthony sets out to paint his, 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 his next masterpiece and unleashes the spirit in his life and then the lives of those around him. So given this summary, we've all seen it here. Let's get into it. What are just some of your initial thoughts about this film? Does it deliver as a horror movie? So I loved Candyman. I'd never seen the original movie or the sequels that followed. So this is my first exposure to the story of Candyman. And I got to say, I was blown away by this film. I I thought that um, overall, I was glued to the screen the entire time. I think I was really amazed at the pacing of the movie. It, it, It didn't it didn't drag at all. It was constantly revealing things about the characters' backgrounds and the stories to keep you intrigued. And 
the horror elements placed throughout were very well placed and really, you know, got me kind of scared. I, I went to the film, uh, to the theater by myself to see this. So I was in the theater by myself and it was, it was freaky, not going to lie. Um, I think that to answer your question and some, I think it for sure delivered on the horror element, especially for me, I, I would say. Um, and I guess for our listeners who, who are maybe sensitive to like horror films or who are sensitive to like jump scares. I think, uh, let me just say that I think with this movie, there were very few jump scares than like what I was expecting. I think that this movie leans more on the psychological thriller element of the film. However, it does have some gory, uh, some, some fantastical elements that would, that really stuck with me. Um, in a horrific way, you know, just in my nightmares, like it definitely stuck with me. So if you are sensitive to horror films, I would say that it does have horror elements. So just be prepared for that. But when I was looking at the reviews online, after I saw it, I saw that it got a lot of negative reviews because people were expecting it to be more scary than it was. And so then they rated it really poorly. But I'm like, I, I don't know what these guys are talking about. I was scared. Like, I remember leaving the theater. I was kind of freaked out. Um, but I think overall, like, fantastic movie. And I can't wait to dive into it more. Listen, I was super excited at how non-scary I thought it was. Yes, it was gory. It almost reminded me more of, like, a Saw movie. Uh, but it, it didn't terrify me. I also went alone, which I was not happy about. Showed me that I don't have a lot of true friends, if you know what I mean. No, I'm just kidding. But I think I just felt um, like I didn't know if I was going to be able to sleep that night. But I was fine. Uh, I just don't pull that crap that Anselm does saying Candyman all the time. But my initial reactions are that it was a great film. I definitely text the guys when I got out that I survived physically, but not emotionally. I think that the depth and the storyline of this movie is far scarier than the actual content. It's interesting that you ask, uh, is, is this a horror film? I would say like gore, absolutely. A lot of blood. It, it's not for somebody who is like a, a, a light stomach or something. But in terms of storyline, I was explaining to one of my friends, I actually think it's a little bit of a superhero film. And I, I don't think I can get too much into that yeah. without spoilers. So I'll wait till the end. But I do think there's a lot of perspective in this film where like, who who's the bad guy? Who's the good guy? And it I think the more I thought about it, the more I wondered, like, or I guess maybe the more I decided this was not your average scary movie. That's all I'll say. That's such an interesting take, Shantae. And I am totally resonating with that wavelength. I, I can't wait to talk more about that. Dave, what'd you think? I'm pretty interested to hear what you guys have to say more with that too, because I was not expecting that. I mean, <laughs> I, we were, I totally see it, but well, I, I'm like, when, yeah, we'll when, get there. Yeah, when we when we were uh, giving our reaction, I was not expecting that to even come up. So that's really cool. But uh, just something else that I really love, I think that really adds to the horror aspect of it is this film's score. You know, a horror film needs to have a powerful score. And they do a really cool job of like modernizing the original Candyman uh, music box score with like introducing it into reintroducing it into this um, this film. So I really wanted to give props to um, Robert IQ Aubrey Lowe, who was able to do that. Cause I think that really, really adds to the eeriness. Um, and, you know, like I said, a good horror movie needs to have a great score. This one delivers. 
I'll just say real briefly, this definitely delivered. So it's funny, like with the question of delivering as a horror film, I think for me, I was so much like dug into the the themes of it all that I was just, I was mesmerized. I was enjoying it. I was thrilled while I was watching this and as I was making connections in my mind. So there are definitely like horror elements. There's like maybe two or three jump scares. It's funny, like this is definitely, this is directed by Nia DaCosta, but a producer has a lot of say in the kind of creative direction of the film as well. And Jordan Peele produced this. And, you know, when I think about Get Out, when I think about us and then you know when I here thinking about this film that's very much kind of in the spirit of that I think about the way that Jordan Peele approaches horror and like it's almost like there's a there's a it's a genre a subgenre of the horror film that strips back the scary elements of it and you know, the, the horror is less about what's happening on the screen and more about like the implications of, of, of what is inspiring what's happening on the screen. And so does it deliver as a horror movie? I think it just delivers as a movie. It was incredible. So we're going to get into it here. Uh, and we're going to, we're definitely going to go deep into spoilers. Both the 1992 and the 2021 Candyman use their kind of titular character's tragic backstory with varying with varying degrees of success in my opinion to comment on the role that racism plays in the black experience candyman 1992 boldly although kind of sloppily at times digs into how white people through their racist practices created ghettos that they eventually grew to fear what do you think that candyman 2021 is going for and how do the filmmakers use the Candyman legend to make their point? Okay. I think going into the film, we obviously see the progression of our main character becoming Candyman. But the question is why? And we see this, this guy who works at the laundromat who's kind of mentoring him, almost like a, like a Phil and Hercules type situation. <laughs> And maybe that's reaching to put okay, it. Okay, okay, no, let's hear it, let's hear it. <laughs> but we see this, this guy mentoring him, but obviously we don't find out that he's actually mentoring him till the very end. And pretty much against his will. This guy has no consent in the matter. He is just becoming the candy man uh, quite painfully, as we can see, losing his mind. And what I took away was at the end of the film, when we get this sort of explanation and, and there's this like really intense voiceover is that he, he get this guy from the laundromat gives this um, monologue describing, well, we need somebody here to protect us. We need somebody to care, kill their mothers and their daughters and their sons and their fathers. We need justice. And we hear the origin story of the Candyman's where we see pretty much the spirit of these black men who are killed by white mobs or white men throughout time. I think they said like, there's too much pain for them to pass over for them to heal or that sort of thing. So they enter the Candyman, And then we see kind of the nail in the coffin for our main character to become Candyman is that he was killed unjustly by a white cop in the final scene. What else am I to feel that this guy is the superhero for these communities, for these people who have 
who black people are just constantly at the mercy of white violence throughout time. We see that come through gentrification, we see exploitation even of our main character through his art, through needing to satisfy and entertain white people. I, I think I just felt like that's why, is this a horror movie or is this, we're seeing this tale of this guy who's supposed to be the superhero. That's why I almost felt like, is this a horror movie? We don't hate, I don't hate this guy, but I do struggle with the message that is the point of the Candyman just to kill white people. And that's when I was like, am I wrong? I, I feel like that's not the message, but that's what I left with. Here's what I think that underlying message is. I think that like, I think there's something even deeper that is contributing to why we see Candyman at the end being this vigilante almost, this figure of vengeance against the, you know, many, 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 many years in which white people have felt free because of racism, because of white supremacy to uh, exact so much violent rage against black people and against black bodies. Um, and I think that underlying message has to do with the fact that like black people are haunted by the images of the violent suffering that the black people before them have had to go through. When we first hear the Candyman origin story in Candyman 2021, it's actually not the same origin story that we get in Candyman 1992. That was the first iteration of Candyman. But that something about this particular area of the, of the country, some, something about this Cabrini Green neighborhood in Chicago leads to time and time again, white people overstepping their boundaries and egregiously killing some black person. Right, And that spirit then gets folded into this overall myth mythos that then goes on to haunt the next generation of people who hear about that. And so when we first hear that story, like the laundromat guy, which again, it's, it's crazy that we got this far into the podcast without mentioning that the laundromat guy is played by Coleman Domingo, who like Coleman Domingo is one of my favorite actors today. He is amazing. Like, and he, and he really kills, kills this role, <laughs> literally. No, uh, but... You know, when he starts telling the, the Candyman origin story in the new movie, he says, for me, Candyman was Sherman, so on and so forth. For him, the figure that haunts him, the, the thing that like inspires everything that he does, the thing that keeps him up at night, the thing that like help, ties him back to like the, the trauma and the pain was him seeing this one black man get brutally murdered by the cops. You know, if you, if you talk to, most Black people in this country, they can tell you who their Candyman is, who is the image that traumatizes them, that haunts them, that follows them, that inspires their, their, their work, or that haunts their nightmares. And I feel like that is that underlying message for me of how, like, in a country where our power and our agency has so easily been stripped away from us, the only space where we have that is to transform the real life horror that we experience into a mystical, mythical, fictional horror in order to subvert the, 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 the real horrors that are, that are done against us. This film takes that even further by 
embodying that in an actual figure that then goes off to wreak vengeance against, you know, white violence. So, yeah. That's an excellent point, Anselm. And I just want to add on to that too, because this is also kind of what I noticed in this film is a lot of, I think the film has a lot to say about cultural appropriation for white people taking black culture or, or things that black people produce and then using those things, but then hating the, the creators. Right. And I, I think the movie makes a point to even say that that's what happened to the, um, you know, original Candyman. But I think it was, it was a really interesting point when um, they were doing like the museum scene where he has the exhibit for Candyman and it was like the say, say his name. And I kind of got the George Floyd and Breonna Taylor uh, Black Lives Matter protest that we had where, you know, half the time you're chanting, like, say his name, like, say her name. Like, the people who say Candyman's name in the film and die, in a way, are, are not believing it, right? In a way that they're kind of using the name in vain and they don't care. And they don't care to learn the backstory. They don't care to read what's, what's behind the mirror. They just say his name, right? And so I think the film had a lot to say even about white people culturally appropriating black violence, black production, black trauma in a really negative way. And so I, I don't know, I thought that really stood out to me. And so I just, uh, really cool to see that you made that connection as well. There's this concept of like sacred space, like creating sacred spaces within like black community, within black culture, there's this idea, right? And oftentimes like white people, a lot of them don't even realize that this is like going on. <laughs> they like, oh, I need to assert my presence within these sacred spaces. And they kind of go in and they like with their shoes on and they step all over the place and track mud all over it. And I feel like that's kind of what this whole Candyman thing is. Like for them, it's just a game. It's literally a game. And it's like, this isn't something that, like for, for the people who, who create this story, who tell this story, it's not a game for us. As soon as the Candyman killings begin and white people find they now find Anthony's paintings and his exhibit profitable. They seek to profit off of the story that Anthony is trying to purge from his system. Like white people profit, black people purge it. And I think that's like so much what this, this film is about. I, I'm sorry, guys. Like, you know, I, I have to do, keep going. Do you yeah. think Anthony was uh, purging or do you think he was like kind of profiting off of like originally I feel like originally he was like he heard about the story and he because he really was a nobody as far as like his art and everything and then he took this idea and then ran with it and then got you know we saw what happens to him as the film progresses but do you think he was purging or do you think he actually was using this opportunity to you know profit off of all of these things that you guys have been talking about so I think at first he was and then um, after his exhibit becomes famous, like it's on the news, you see him like not really care about the murders that happen around it, but he's like, ah, oh, they said my name or like they're, they're right. saying, that's saying, you know, so right. I think that's probably the point where it's like, it became about being profitable from it. And then he realizes he's in too deep and tries to pull back and retreat. But by then it's too late. Yeah. Cause I was finding similarities between, um, like him, you know, doing this to make a profit. And then in the first film. Helen was like going into this like neighborhood, going in, not knowing what she was getting into, but just trying to get that story about Candyman and make, like in her, I guess in her case, it was a thesis. But I, I guess I was finding similarities between um, both characters. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I think Helen was trying to make a name for herself. 
I was I feeling guess. like he was doing the same thing though, like in the I mean, in the in the beginning. I think for me in the beginning, it was it was more about like he's an artist. He hasn't painted anything in two years. Like he is trying. He does want to like get his art out there. He just want to make a name for himself. But I think that like when he first encounters the Candyman story, the man who had a hook who had a literal hook for his arm already and passed out candy and then got mistaken identity and was beaten and killed by the, all, all that kind of stuff, right? Like when he first hears that story, I think for me, it's like the, the thing that clicked for him is that like, oh, this is what's going to make me famous. It was like, I am so shaken by the story, how it folds into this like larger conversation about gentrification and white policing of black spaces, et cetera, that like, I have to get this out of my system. And I feel like, I feel like that was really evidenced by when he starts painting even more and you see these very macabre, oh, that's, an, oh my gosh, the painting, I want to find out who the that's painter dead. is in this. Like, Cause the, the artist who actually painted these, these paintings like was, was incredible. But you see that like his artwork becomes more and more macabre and there's all these visions of death. And for me, that's like, that's him trying to get yeah, his, I, I agree his with story that. out of his system. And the one, the one more thing I'll say about that, like this is with the parallels that I found within me. I think there are some people who after the whole George Floyd murder, like commented on a change within me. And at first it was like, oh, wow, that's so cool, man. And so I'm, I'm like, the first few weeks, I'm so with you. Like, this is not okay. Like praying for you, bro, all this different stuff. But then I started like really, really saying what I wanted to, what I, what I felt. And people started getting really shaken by that. And it wasn't me like, you know, I'm not, I'm posting this stuff, not because I want people to like read it and like all this kind of stuff. Although there is kind of like a, a thrill that comes from like, wow, 200 people like this post that I made when before 20 people were liking my posts. That's kind of cool. But for me, I kept doing it, even though it was like digging into this wound because I had to get this out of my system. It so deeply impacted me, it haunted me, it kept me awake at night. That's why... I really resonated with his character was because he is trying to purge it. I want to move into another kind of segment of this conversation here. When it comes to depicting or discussing the impact of white violence on Black people, um, filmmakers who try to tackle this run the risk of traumatizing or even re-traumatizing their Black viewers in their effort to kind of bring attention to this issue. I wanted to know if you think that Candyman falls prey to this trap or does it find a way to engage with this topic without capitalizing on black trauma? I think that's why the use of the shadow puppets is like a really, really good idea. You know, not, not only are, and I learned this, shadow puppets are a way, like an ancient way to tell stories. So that was pretty creative that they decided to do it that way. But I think it's used a lot in the opening of the scene and it's used a lot in the trailer. Um, if you've seen, if any of you guys have seen the trailer, but I think it's a way that you can then like pull back a little bit. So like that, um, the violence on black people isn't so like upfront in your, in your face, like what we may have seen with some other films or TV shows. So I think that that was an effective way to still be able to tell a story in a creative way, but not be able to, um, you know, show it in a way that they, they could have, that would have been more graphic. So I think that the reason I told you guys I survived physically, but not emotionally, and how I've already hinted that 
the content was far scarier than like any of the gore for me. I think that it's tough. I really had to kind of decide like, what did I expect? What did I want? Because overall, while it was an amazing film, I almost wish I hadn't seen it. And it is solely because I cried the way home, think about it almost every day. And it's exactly how you're describing. I'm almost re-traumatized. But in the same way, I feel like, well, I want artists to make stories on this. I want this to go out there. I want creative use to, to help people understand the, the, the Black experience in America. And I mean, I do a film podcast. Why wouldn't I want to film about this? So it's been an internal struggle. And I think that this is where my issue lies. The truth is, is there thousands of these stories of Black men, Black women, Black children dying in these real scenarios. Uh, we know that gentrification is real. We know this exploitation is real. We know police brutality is real. And at the end, we have what may be a villain, maybe a superhero, but regardless, a solution that isn't real. So I think I left feeling like, okay, now all my feelings are back and all the images and stories and things that I try so hard not to obsess over. And second, try not to get into the mindset of all I want is revenge. All I want is, is vengeance. I try so hard not to be angry. And at the end of this movie, what am I left with? So I, I don't think I'm an easy viewer here because I think I, it, it was a good film and, you know, it, they did it well. And I'm sure a lot of people learned a lot of good things. And of course, I, I don't not want art to be made, but I think I just feel like I'm traumatized. And what am I supposed to do now with no real solutions? Like, I know it's fantasy, but the pain isn't fantasy. And that's what they they talked about. So I don't know what to do. So I think for me, like where I fall on this question of like, does, how does Candyman handle this topic of like white brutality and, and black pain and suffering? And does it traumatize or re-traumatize me? Um, I, I felt like for a number of reasons, they succeeded in sh shining light on this with in a way that did not so deeply depress me or make me fill me with rage and a desire for like revenge as like say something like Lovecraft Country. It was a scene in Lovecraft Country where literally you see a woman like burning to death. I feel like with this movie, like there are so many times they go just shy of showing you what's happening and that they then allow you to imagine and to know and to fill in the blanks of what's going on there. And I think that was a very wise and astute decision to make. We never see Sherman get beaten to death. We never see Anthony get shot by the police. They The, the, the camera pulls away. Did y'all stay, stay through the credits? No, but you, yeah, talk That's about something it. I like. were... I, it, makes, it makes me so sad. I saw it again last night and people were leaving. I'm like, guys, this is the message of the movie. Like the, the, at the end, they do like a shadow puppet, almost like the, uh, a short film during the credits using the shadow puppets where they show different little vignettes of uh, black men being uh, brutalized by white people. A lot of them are based on true stories. There's a true story of a boy between the ages of nine and 14. I don't remember his exact age. The true story of the youngest person to be executed 
by electric chair in this country was a young black boy who was wrongfully accused. It's it's one of the saddest stories, and they and they show that and how each of these different stories create new candy men who then are now like we're now here to like take on white supremacy racism and all that kind of stuff and the choice to do that as shadow puppets rather than actually showing it, i think was really great i i have a really hard time feeling like i'm i'm with it like i said it's a good movie i know it's bringing a lot of exposure and i know it hits people different than me i'm just saying that i don't feel like i walked away feeling like wow, this really did a lot. It more just opened up a lot for me, but I didn't feel anything closed. Yeah. And and so I I, I, I appreciate you sharing that, Shantae, and, and I hear you on that. I think for me, it's like, I think what is really great about these, this series of films, and I mean, the first Candyman and this one, they do a, I think that they do a great job of showing white people like all these things that you that you fear about blackness the retribution that you fear is coming to you for the horror the horrible things that like racism and white supremacy has done here like all these things that you fear you created this you're right there there is no candy man coming back to like kill racist white people you know there's no black panther coming to the hood to like save the hood right maybe maybe it could inspire you know the people who are there to like figure out what what can we do what we have to like make something better i don't know yeah i really appreciate we got shared i mean it's uh, it's really sobering what you guys shared and i think um what this movie does a really good job of doing is raising awareness i think specifically for me like it did a really great job of raising awareness on how i personally can appropriate black culture and um, and, and I don't know, it just kind of gave me lots to really think about. And I think what they're also trying to do is trying to help us to not forget these stories. You know, I think that's really important. And I think that's kind of the point of the say his name, you know, like, uh, like let's not forget who this person really is. And I think, uh, what the movie did a really good job of was really raise awareness. So, um, it's really tough as well as to like, like, how do you really solve racism? You know, how do you really solve white supremacy and racial inequality and racial inequity, you know, it's just, how do you really solve that and, and put it in a story and a narrative. And I think it's, I think it definitely starts with raising awareness. And I think that's what this movie really did a fantastic job of doing. This movie has really inspired a lot of conversation. I think it will continue to inspire a lot of conversation and we really hope that you all will go see it and join in on the conversation. Let us know how you think about this film, please respond on our posts. You know, we say this every episode, like seriously rate our podcast. You can go from five to five, <laughs> just kidding. There's a one to five. If you want to give us a one, you can, and, and tell us why so that we can improve. Email us, shoot, send us, send us a letter, you know, find an owl and send it, <laughs> deliver this, this, uh, you know, Harry Potter style. Your best carrier pigeon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Carrier pigeon, man. But, uh, and, and let us know, um, how you feel about our podcast, how you feel about this particular episode, your thoughts. We love to hear it. So thank you so much for joining us. This has been too much screen time. Do not say Candyman five times in the mirror. I still haven't yet, even though I know it's fake. And we'll see you next week where we will talk about a new TV show that's come out on, on Hulu. It's available on Hulu. It's called Only Murders in the Building. So we have, we've, we've been, it's been a while since we talked about a TV show. 
Um, but we are going to talk about one next week. Until then, this has been Too Much Screen Time. Thank you for listening to Too Much Screen Time. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at tmscreentime or email us at tmscreentime at gmail.com. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. So in the meantime, keep watching those screens.